Let's talk development. Episode 11. everyone. Uh, as you know, CDPR is uh, launching a new podcast series to draw attention to critical economic and development issues in Pakistan. Uh, they've asked me, my name is Ahmed Rafi Alam, an environment lawyer, uh, to host this very special podcast, uh, not just on climate change and environmental governance, but hopefully focusing uh, on sustainable cities, energy, and food security. We're very lucky today to have Dr. Adil Najam join us. Uh, Dr. Saab is a distinguished scholar and academic uh, graduate of UET Lahore with a PhD from MIT. Um, Dr. Saab, I know our please, time. Please don't. But I just want to mention that Dr. Saab was the recipient of the Satara Imtiaz in 2009. And just this year, uh, he's been named as the new president of WWF International. Uh, Dr. Saab, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Uh, I hope you're well. Very well. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's a wonderful pleasure to be talking to you again. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Sabin, back here uh, in Pakistan, suffering uh, from a very poor economy, we're negotiating with the IMF, we may or may not have a deal, uh, inflation is skyrocketing, electricity prices are now a serious chunk of everyone's sort of salary and income. Um, we have a government that is seeking, well, it needs to run an election campaign later this year as well. And I know they're going to be talking about economic growth and poverty reduction. But the question I want to ask you is, how can a government, uh, any government as, as embattled as they are in Pakistan, find a balance between the imperatives for economic growth and poverty reduction on the one hand, while at the same time taking meaningful climate action? Are these two binaries or can we connect these two? Uh, yeah, I think the question is the right one on everyone's mind. We are talking, um, people will listen to this on various dates, but you and I are talking on what's budget day in Pakistan. So these issues are very high on our mind. Uh, I will take issue with the word balance. I've used it all my life and I've now started figuring out that it's not always a good word because balance seems to suggest as if, as you suggest, that there's a trade-off that if you have more of this, you must have less of that. That if you want more of economic growth, then you must have less of environmental quality. And in many ways, we who have worked on environment may, I, may ourselves be to blame for how this conception has happened. But that is actually not the case. You know, why should a country, your, your excellent question, why should a country that has problems of poverty that are so acute as we have in Pakistan? Why should a country where the challenges of energy are so uh, great as we have in Pakistan? Why should a country where food, in fact, has become uh, such a precious commodity as we have in Pakistan? Why should a country where the politics is as, as dysfunctional as it is in Pakistan, why should it be thinking about climate or about environment? Right? That's, that's the question. And the answer is, because if we don't, each one of those things become worse. Because if you don't, each one of thing or those things become uh, less likely and maybe even impossible to deal with. And it, because if you don't, the climate itself is blowing up into a problem that is going to overwhelm all of them. Right. So in 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 many ways, I'm, I'm sitting here in Boston right now. Uh, and in, as the Americans say, we have to learn how to chew gum and walk at the same time. This idea of a binary uh, 
is is really one of the most fundamental ideas to to uh, to dismantle. And one other thing, in a way, as I said, we have constructed it ourselves, and then for good reasons. For good reasons, I'm not trying to be facetious here. Uh, partly, it has come about because there is that other narrative that I have built all my life, ever since I was doing my dissertation, which is that climate is a differentiated issue, at least its cause, meaning that different people, not just different countries, emit differently and therefore have different responsibility. Prophet, me, Adil Najim, anyone who's listening to this podcast is by definition nearly a higher emitter, higher cause of climate change than those on whose behalf we seem to be talking. Right? So because of that, this binary has also exacerbated because it is easy to say, I didn't cause this problem, so I have other things to do. All my life I've been making arguments similar to that. But they're coming home now to roost in the sense that this, this idea that we are linearly, sequentially going to tick off a problem. This month we will do poverty, next month we will do agriculture, the month after that water and then month 18 we will come to climate. Uh, that has to be dismantled because not just climate but each one of these problems has to be dealt with in that sort of systemic way. I know systemic is a sort of silly made-up word, but in a way which actually looks at those connections. I said last thing, I'll say one more thing. The good news, because I do want to have some good news. The good news is you start dealing with these issues together, you start dealing with climate in the context of these challenges of development and of governance, two things happen. One, life becomes more difficult. Okay. Two, you have a higher likelihood of actually finding solutions for both. There are win-wins. They are more difficult. They are not easy to get. But in fact, you can have, uh, have, have, have bigger victories if you do that, I think. So thank you for explaining that trade-off and, 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 and laying bare to the claim that this is a binary. I mean, to, to quote that movie that won all the Oscars last year, I think the response is everything, everywhere all at once. Um, I want to move to a different question now, Dr. Najam, about the floods last year, for example, the unprecedented floods have, have created the new buzzword of sorts uh, nowadays is resilience, that Pakistan needs a, lo a lot of resilience or a climate response, if nothing else, for lack of a better phrase. Now, you know that Pakistan has a, a climate change policy. It was first formulated in 2012. It was updated in 2021. Um, but how much do you think that this has a sort of cookie-cutter approach to all of Pakistan and not quite understanding that there are very localized impacts of climate change? I mean, between the provinces, for example, Balochistan has a coastal area and Punjab has none and Khyber Pakhtunkhwa has the majority of the mountains and the forests. And even sub-nationally within provinces, North Punjab is affected differently from uh, South Punjab when it comes to climate threats like flooding or a monsoon rainfall. So clearly there's a logic of having more and more localized understandings of a climate strategy or a climate policy. But this would require local government in Pakistan. Now, I know the constitution suggests that devolution and decentralization of power and democracy is what's needed. But how much do you agree with this? How much do you think Pakistan will uh, be able to, to develop resilience just through local government or do you think that this is actually a, a counterintuitive idea 
and that sometimes the best answer isn't the right answer, especially in the face of the climate crisis. Yeah, I 100% agree with this. I 100% agree with this. I mean, you really are the leading voice of this idea for not just recently in the floods, but well, well before that, that we have to really think about governance in 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 a serious fashion, which means different things at different places. For example, you know, when you say that South Punjab, North Punjab, Balochistan, Farak, Karachi, Farak, uh, Coast Farak, it's not just that, even in Lahore, where you live, it is very different from three miles from where you live in terms of how climate impacts end up happening, not just because the climate is different, but because your ability to deal with it is different, right? I mean, you see this in the, the smog in Bihar. If you have an air purifier, that becomes a differentiator. So the, the local the localness comes in many, many ways. It comes in geography. It comes in economics. It comes in, in, in capacity. It comes in ability to do things. But let me actually uh, pull on the word that you used, resilience. Yeah, this is my favorite love. What does it mean? Ha, it doesn't mean anything, yeah. It doesn't mean anything. It's like many of these things. I think he put these words thinking they mean something. I'm not trying to be facetious again. We, we put them in goodwill and then they take on a life itself. There used to be a wonderful magazine, I'm very sad, kids end it, called uh, Herald. And uh, Pakistan me and Herald me. I once wrote this thing at the last floods, the 2010 floods. I think will be unprecedented here, or now who unprecedented thing, now he unprecedented, and we would live on a floodplain for 5,000 years. We've been having floods, so partly that is a political nara. You know how oh, how bad how bad how bad, which doesn't mean that bad What it means is that we keep getting hit by bad 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 and forgetting how bad they were in the interim so that we can make the next ones better. Right? So, but let me come to resilience and heroin. So, they had a special issue after the 2010 floods and I had a little piece in that whose title was Resilience, Shizilience. Okay. Right? And and that answers your question, okay, what does it mean? Resilience, Shizilience. And the, I, I think resilience is a wonderful thing. We get very proud of this fact that when we get scared, we get another one. 2010 floods, give us 23. And now we need another one. And somehow resilience is this ability to take in shocks and 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 stand up after the shock. And it's a very nice sort of, you know, Hollywood figure, okay, the boxer gets hit, falls down, and then stands up again, right? But that's the meaning of resilience in our head. But resilience should not be over-dramatized. Resilience is a bad thing. Resilience means that and I will be expected of my own to rise from it. Hmm. Right? You remember in Flood Mayor, there was that little video clip of this silly place in Swat, this hotel? That's right. That's what way. Huh? resilience that, that clip is the resilience. If I understand it right, that hotel had existed before 2010 floods. It was <laughs> swept away in 2010. And then resilience, they made the same thing again, knowing that it was a wrong thing to do, knowing that it was breaking every urban court that there was to break. Right? And knowingly, people went and sort of took those Instagram photographs there. And then the next thread came and 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 and, and swept it away up again. So what is stupidity? Stupidity is doing the same thing. 
again and again, uh, imagining that it would it would somehow have a different result this time. And and this resilience. So I don't want to again underestimate. There are very smart people who do a lot of very good work on actual resilience, right? You actually have resilience is a concept. But right. let us not politicize and overplay this concept as if it is some genetic ability. Resilience is majburi. Right? Resilience is majburi that, you know, if my house gets swept away in the flood. What do I do? I mean, do I just sit there and wait for some IPCC report or some UNFCCC meeting to give me money? I don't do that yet. I mean, I'm a human being. What I do is I send my kids and my family off to somewhere. I figure out what I can sell. As soon as the waters go down, I sell whatever I was saving for my daughter's wedding and I start rebuilding. Right? And then some journalist comes and calls this resilience. Now, that is why I do think as we think about adaptation and living in a world which is going to have a lot of climate issues, we have to think sort of building it better in this sense that not that we leave it to people and their innate resilience, but we think of actual policy and implementation that reduces the strength of the impact. I also wanted to pick up because your question was so rich on this local global issue, right? Because that is central. And I have been learning about this from you and I, I'm, I'm not being sort of diplomatic really from you for at least 15 years. Uh, and, and, and you are one of the few people who've constantly talked about it. And my own learning has, I'm a slow learner. So I'm only now beginning to figure out One of the challenges here is we have conceived climate change rightly, rightly, as global climate change. Right? So the climate can only change globally, meaning there's a planetary system, right? The thermostat that is planetary. That doesn't there isn't Lahore doesn't have a different thermostat than Karachi. So that system is 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 global. Because of that. People like me, others who study it, have constantly focused on the globalness. Constantly focused, ke yaar ye jo, you know, right now what is the most dangerous thing or, or troubling thing happening is the uh, extreme um, numbers we are seeing in ocean heating. Right? Ke suddenly we are finding that the oceans are warming much faster than we expected. And the reason people are worried is that that's the thermostat of the world. Now you might say, I don't live in an ocean. But where you live is is managed by the ocean. So let me come to that. So the point I'm making is that we have conceived it globally. As the impacts come, the impacts are equally definitionally local. Right? When it's raining, it's not in the world. It's not in one place. It's not in a city. It's not in Gulberg and not in Raiwan. या भट्टा चौक में होती है और डिफेंस में नहीं होती, right? So the point I'm making is that we have now this challenge. I'm talking about the scientific challenge, the 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 policy challenge before we come to the governance challenge. That you have a process that is done that happens globally, but whose impacts are actually very very local, right? They're not even local at in national level, not even at a provincial level. Well, you know, all the things that you listed were legal jurisdictions. Climate doesn't say that this is Balochistan or this is KP. The climate may be changing at the place where KP and, and Balochistan meet, but not in much of Balochistan and not in the rest of KP either. Right? 
so we we have this sort of fundamental conceptual challenge that you have a process that has to be managed globally while you have tools that have to be implemented locally and that is where the governance problem comes in right the, the one that you were talking about ki hamare jo tools hain global wale to bilkul hi lage gaye na so the worst are the global ones jo ye good governance should governance hum karte hain whatever it might be even in a country like pakistan today they are worse globally राइट right? so, हमारे जो ग्लोबल टूल्स हैं वो तो बहुत ही बुरे इसलिए हम यूएनएफसी के ड्रामे करते हैं हमारे जो नेशनल टूल्स हैं दे आर एज यू पॉइंटेड आउट वेरी इनसफिशिएंट एंड हमारे मीनिंग पाकिस्तान जो लोकल टूल्स हैं बाय टूल्स आई हेयर आई मीन गवर्नेंस आर इंस्टीट्यूशन एंड इंस्ट्रूमेंट्स ऑफ गवर्नेंस द लॉज द ब्यूरोसीज द इंस्टीट्यूशन द लेजिस्लेशन द डिसीजन मेकिंग प्रोसेसिस हमारे जो लोकल वाले हैं दैट वी हैव सिस्टमैटिकली फॉर सेवेंटी प्लस इयर्स मेड सॉफ टोटलीटेड इट्स नॉट जस्ट की वी डोंट हैव दम वी हैव वर्क वेरी हार्ड एट मेकिंग दम इन लोकल सिर्फ ये नहीं कि लोकल गवर्नेंस नहीं है दिस चैलेंज right would you up care in that disconnect so the policy is perfectly fine now frankly if you make a policy at the national level i don't think you would write anything different the problem becomes because you need then something at those local levels and by local i mean again not just provinces but below provinces so the reason the hum a lot of the world including people uh, who study this in pakistan keep saying that local governance chahiye the the politics of that in some ways is pretty clearish in the sense ki kyun chahiye isliye chahiye ki the not just the accountability but the pain of the impacts will be felt by the same people who have the ability to do something about right agar jitna main distant ho from the locale of the impact the less likely am i to be able to understand it lekin if the flood actually enters my home or is likely to enter my home then i am more propelled to do something about it hamari ye pakistan floods mein bhi are we can talk as friends amongst pakistani leaders we should study ke hamara apna kya response raha it's not that the world ignored it actually the way we ignored it those of us in pakistan who weren't directly impacted by it right so let me stay on on local governance so local governance ye hota hai ki jab aapka local pe apparatus nahi hai to the the interest is not that much and and the ability to do something is not that much and 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 that is partly what is what is facing us in climate change till the impacts that have to be more and more local and again i say local not simply provincial jab aap provincial you will have the same thing and it won't just be south punjab and 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 north punjab that we need commitment to that idea of 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 not just when i say democracy i mean letting the people decide what their futures and fate should be and having mechanisms that enable their voices dr sahab i'd like to move on and ask another question uh this time about uh, renewable energy uh ek to uh, pakistan has estimated that in its nationally determined contribution its uh, efforts to mitigate greenhouse gases also include uh, upscaling renewable energy and and promoting energy conservation 
And just for that, I think the bill it comes to about, uh, what is it? I think it's $100 billion up until 2030. So this is a considerable amount of money. But at the same time, our uh, NEPRA tells us that renewable energy, solar and wind, are now cheaper than all other forms of electricity, you know, hydro and coal included. So in your mind, with these sorts of facts uh, in front of us, uh, seeing that renewable energy is cheaper, why don't you think we're making the transition? What are the roadblocks to scaling up renewable energy and energy conservation in Pakistan? Uh, in your opinion, and how can we get affordable and accessible green energy to everyone? Mm. Yeah, um, again, a good question. When someone says it's a good question, that means they have no idea how to answer it. <laughs> um, so I'm fishing for time. But it is a good question. I think this is the, one of the great mysteries of the world. <laughs> how is it that renewable energy Abu Dhabi in Sasti or Pakistan? I mean, think about this. A place where you hit the ground or tear nickel they seem to have an easier time putting up uh, wind uh, and solar than, than, than Pakistan does. So, this is governance problem. I, I think, I, I really say this with seriousness. We, we need to think about how did that miracle happen? Uh, but before before that, uh, the NCDs, I am, you know this, I'm not much of a fan of the UNFCC triple pro, um, process. Uh, and I'm not much of a fan of Paris anymore, which doesn't mean I'm against them, which means I'm not holding my breath. Uh, I'm just too old. Uh, I have been to too many of these things. I kind of put an embargo on myself from going again because I'm not sure and and I, I will root for them. I will want them to succeed if they can. But I'm not waiting, holding my breath. And partly I think who are here for countries like ours, these seductive large numbers, they have a salivating. You know, 100 billion, 10 billion, 1 trillion, and and this false promise came, somehow someone is going to give us this money. You know, this this mindset has come in because honestly and truly, I believe this, I've spent my whole life making this argument because it is a justice problem and because it is unequal and because there are countries that caused it and there are those who are suffering from it, i.e. countries like Pakistan, the right thing to do is some transfer of cost. Right? So that those who are suffering uh, will be compensated by those who caused the suffering. But that doesn't mean that you then start believing that it will happen. But historically, I know that it will happen. It will not happen. But if I stop policy on this idea, that it will not happen, I will not do I am going to cut my nose to spite my face. That's where the problem comes. So, Part of the thing on this that has happened is that we've turned this so much as a climate issue. Renewable, I think you and I have had this conversation before. I think on energy, we should move by national interests, national development interests even more than time. The logic of renewable, the logic of not going coal is not just climate change. It is simply the logic that we should be thinking about energy policy as the goal of fulfilling Pakistan's energy needs. And that will take you to renewables much more than this. In some ways, by linking it so much to climate, we salivate that maybe yeah, there is a pot of gold somewhere. I can promise you, 
I do not think these countries are going to come up and give you large amounts of money. But if I'm a politician, it is very, very enticing to think in the middle of this dollar crisis, I will be the one who will say, I'm bringing in this many dollars. Mm. First of all, they won't come in time. Second, there is very little evidence that they will come. Third, to the extent that they might come, we are amongst the least prepared countries to take them because our own institutions aren't right. So what is the logic of renewables? The logic of renewables is the one it was for Japan in the 1970s. Right, Japan, 70s, my energy crisis, I, tail valley. They realized, yeah, we don't have any oil. Uh-huh. Right, and we are going to be constantly dependent on someone. So we have to find our own source. Now, they went nuclear, this is the 70s and so on and so forth. The logic of renewables to me has to be a Pakistani energy, non-import dependent energy logic. And if it boggles my mind, why not? I, I'll give you an example. I know that uh, you travel much and I hope uh, you've been to Kathmandu. Kathmandu is a favorite place. It's a very badly planned city and, and all of that and poverty and, and cheesy. But in the foot of the Himalayas, this beautiful setting, right? Himalayas. Kathmandu, if I'm right, has one third of houses in Kathmandu have solar water heat. Yes. Absolutely. Right? This is Himalayas. Himalayas ke saye mein aap solar water heating ghar pe kar sakte hain, ke ghar pe. And what in hell is stopping you from doing it in Lahore or Karachi, let alone Multan? Yeah. No, I mean, that is not ke suraj hota hai. Solar is not just about solar. It's about creating the infrastructure. Ke someone has to come and put the panels right and build you that pani ki tanki that is insulated enough. And I've actually asked friends and gone and seen this, that even in the cold of the Himalayas, the morning when you tap the water is more more uh, warm uh, and, and then, then what you get from these silly things that we have called geysers, which is a steel tank that you put in and then you cool the water to come in. Right? So what I'm talking about is, ke, is we, we'll take renewable as, a, as an issue, but because we start on these issues as only a climate issue, and because we actually don't believe in climate, right? We, we don't believe, not that we don't believe but that it's our responsibility to do something. I think a lot of the problems, uh, a lot of these challenges ought to be started, okay, I have a challenge. The world may be unjust, I'm going to push as hard as I can at the international forums. But meanwhile, I will do policy that makes sense for me myself. Right? Again, I know you have passionate about this smog in Lahore. I don't want to wait for someone. Wait I know it's a serious problem. It is causing immense, immense damage to Pakistanis. And there are solutions out there. Why don't we at least work on that? Heat in Karachi. Right? So I understand heat in Karachi is clearly climate change related. Smog may or may not be. But a lot of those solutions are just about making Karachi livable. I don't need UNFCC to tell me or to make hydration better, right? Or with the smog to 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 work on 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 what is happening in the refineries of um, of our petroleum industry, right? So what I'm saying is there ought to be a national logic that looks at this energy. To bada 
it's one of those fundamental questions, right? I, I know I'm going on and on, but allow me to say the logic of energy is, okay, short the climate. Let us assume there is no climate change. Let's, let's assume new. Even then you should go renewables because the energy problem in Pakistan is that you do not have local hydrocarbon quality sources and you need energy sources that are not foreign currency dependent. Right? You look at the, um, at the wind energy maps of South Asia and you will see a sort of wind corridor that goes along the coast from South India up into Arsin, Karachi and Balochistan. Right? Then you put on that map where the wind energy installations are producing serious wind energy. And what you see is that India and you can tell from space that Pakistan's border is starting because it doesn't matter. Right? That's the wind. It is the equivalent of what we are doing with these things is the equivalent of okay, let's assume okay, there was a lot of oil between some portion of Pakistan and some portion of India and they are all taking it out and we are not. In a way, if you think of wind and solar as energy sources, right? It's not so you you what I'm saying is for these and not just these, for urban issues, for water issues, we have to have this owning the problem. You've heard me this for ages. When I owning the problem, owning the problem does not mean stop talking in the international forums. That's what all I do. Please do that. But don't hold off all action on kijab karik. Yeah. Yeah. Owning the problem, Dr. Saab, that there, I mean, the reasons for climate or responding to the climate crisis isn't because we signed the UNFCCC. It's because we have to do something about the heat. We have to do something about the air quality. We have to protect our water resources from poison because that's what we need to do. Um, you know, we're coming to the end of our time for this podcast. So I want to thank you, Dr. Najam, for your sharing your experience, your overview it's been an intellectually robust discussion and in your characteristic, nuanced, but most importantly, Dr. Sab, humane manner. Uh, thank you so much for participating and for CDPR for organizing this podcast. This is Rafi Alam signing off. Thank you very much. <laughs>